Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories. I'm Shannon Keegan, swim efficiency coach at Intrepid Water. In today's episode, we spoke with Mark Sheridan from his office in London. Growing up, Mark was an all-around athlete, but couldn't conceive of swimming more than a mile until relatively recently. Being smack dab in the middle of the financial crisis as an employee of Lehman Brothers, in 2008 he sought the pool for comfort. After hiring a coach about a decade ago, Mark rapidly increased distance once his form improved. Since then, Mark has become a distance swimming addict. After swimming through the entire British Long Distance Swimming Association calendar, he started knocking out swims in the United States. In addition to achieving swimming nirvana, Mark has logged several British firsts along the way. While he's done the English Channel a few times, Mark prefers swimming in a lake surrounded by mountains. I hope you enjoy this episode. What's your story? Okay, so I was, I suppose I'm a latecomer to this whole game, uh, massive latecomer. Uh, um, but that hasn't stopped me from catching up, really. Um, my my mum has never been able to swim um, and because she grew up in a mining town and they would literally be sent to the baths to go for a wash on a weekend. Uh, and so she could never swim. So the one thing she was adamant that would happen when I grew up was that me and my brother would swim. And it was mainly my mum, not my dad, because my dad worked a lot, but we had, we had shifts. But my mum would take me to the swimming pool, which was two bus rides away and sometimes took two hours because the bus broke down or buses broke down. Um, but she would point at other kids in the pool and say, just copy that person over there. And so I kind of learned that way. I suppose many of us did. Um, and I could never really swim more than a mile. I, I played a lot of other, I played a lot of sports in school. I went to a very sporty school, but there was a swimming pool you could only use in sort of August and it was probably mainly green. Um, but it was so, so I grew up playing rugby, football, cricket, did a lot of running. Um, and got into other things like golf and you know I, I just kind of frittered around with various bits and it was quite a good all-rounder I suppose uh and I could never swim more than a mile and then because of injuries I had an ACL rupture in when I was 21 and I couldn't play soccer anymore and I couldn't really run very far and so when the global financial crisis hit in 2008 I was kind of at the epicenter of that because I was working at Lehman. I know Jamie Monaghan used to work at Lehman. She was on the thing. Um, and I found it really, really hard to get back like to my mindset to neutral on a weekend because I was just so wound up uh, mm -hmm. during the financial crisis. I found it really hard to find that sort of reverse or that neutral. And the only thing I found that really worked for me um, was... Uh, was swimming. And I found that when I went to my local pool, I just swam a mile and I just felt better. And so I went to see a coach in 2010, a guy called Ray Gibbs in Swim Canary Wharf. And it was a revelation because when I went to see him, I was, I was able to swim. I was able to swim a mile. And then the after the first lesson, I went back to the pool and swam like 250 lengths. Mm. And so I, I, I became a bit of an evangelist. And I, mm. it, I was like, this has opened up a whole, whole new world to me. So I put my name down to swim England's longest lake, this lake called Windermere um in 2011 um and i trained i spoke to the woman who runs that swim and 
she said to me, the biggest problem for you will be the cold because you're not used to the cold. Mm. So I went to see Frida Streeter, who was running the channel training, and I trained with them all summer. And I got up to like a seven-hour swim. But what I found was my my stroke, because I didn't grow up with swimming, wasn't good enough. I was using a straight-arm catch. And what happened was during that summer, I got quite injured, and I was training in salt water for a freshwater swim. Oh. And so... I did, I did Windermere, but it was hard work. Um, and I knew I would have to go back to see that coach in 2012 because I put my name down to swim Loch Lomond, which at the time only 40 people had ever done, which is, it's 21.6 miles in Scotland. Um, and I don't want, um, sorry. The temple of Loch Lomond? That this is Loch. This is Loch Lomond. This is um, Lomond, th this is in Scotland. Yeah. Um, Loch Lomond was. Uh, it can get as low as um, when I did it, it was about sixty, uh, fifty nine, sixty. It can wow. get in the low. It can get in the low fifties. It just depends how much it rains before. Right. Um, and so I that is longer and considered harder than the channel. Um, mm. I had no I had no desire to swim the channel. I just liked the idea <laughs> of swimming in lakes looking at big mountains yeah. going past them um and that's kind of a bit of a theme of what i've done i do prefer lake swimming although mm -hmm. i've done quite a lot of sea um so in october 2012 uh, september september 2012 i uh i swam loch lomond and then a couple of months later i got uh, i was applying to swim around manhattan the following year and i got diagnosed with this like grapefruit sized tumor that was sitting in my abdomen um oh, nice. i just got lucky because i saw one in a million types of GPs who did an abdominal examination and found this damn thing um, that was actually, it turned out to be benign, but it, at the time it was quite hairy because of the CT yeah. scans and things. So because of where it was sitting on my femoral nerve, the femoral nerve connects your brain with your right and your left quadriceps. So when they took this thing out, I basically lost the use of my, most of the quad in my left, well, all of the quad in my left leg, and I'm pretty numb in my left leg, but Oh, wow. Since then, I've done quite a lot of swimming and it hasn't stopped me from hitting some reasonable times. Mm -hmm. And it, I suppose it's like all of us, if a, if, a, um, if a surgeon turns around and says, oh, you're never going to be able to swim long distances again and you're going to need these crutches and the knee brace for the rest of your life, you're kind of like, yeah, all right, I'll show you. And that's kind <laughs> of what, that was the fuel, that was some of the fuel that fired me up. Um, and so, yeah, that's, so that sort of fast forward to 20, 2020 really i mean i've done quite a lot of swims now over mm -hmm. 21 miles so I'm, I'm not really a relay kind of guy i've done one relay a lock a lock ness relay but i just like the challenge myself me mm -hmm. against the water so that's it <laughs> how do you describe the feeling of completing a marathon swim um the one feeling i really love that sort of that sort of not pain, but a really nice feeling of ache in the body when you just couldn't have given it any more. And you're in a bath and you're sort of covered in zinc or whatever. And you're just thinking, you know what, I've done that. And the first few swims, the hardest swims, I've always been quite emotional. Whereas it's ringing up my mum and dad or ringing up my wife and just saying, I did it, I did it, I did it. Um, I just like that feeling. And it's the same kind of with training. I mean, I don't mind a cold water swim, but I'd rather go to the pool and just give it everything I've got for six or seven K if I'm in training, I just like that feeling of, you know, that, that buzz you get, uh, that addiction, that addiction you get and the, in the, your, your body gets. Yeah. Can you um, tell us about one of those swims that was really hard for you? Well, probably the hardest one 
um, in terms of distance would be Lake Geneva or Lac Le Mans, as the French or the Swiss like to call it. They, get, they don't like calling it Lake Geneva. Um, and for me, it was a whole new world because it, I, it was 43 miles. I knew it was going to be over 24 hours. Um, I'd never done anything. Like I'd done like half of that distance, so it's going to be a whole new world to me. So that was probably that was probably the hardest thing on paper, although it wasn't that cold. It was like 19 Celsius, 18 Celsius. It's not cold swim. But, you know, if you know anything about circadian rhythms and sleep, it's your, your body's its coldest in the middle of the night. And as Jamie Monaghan always says, if you've been doing anything 20, for 24 hours, you start getting cold. And so that, because I was the fourth person in history to do that, and I was the first Brit, I suppose it felt quite pioneering. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, when I started doing this, sport in 2011 i tried to read up people's blogs but there were blogs on the channel but there was not a lot of blogs on how i cracked you know loch lomond or how they cracked windermill how they cracked all these lakes and what i set out to do was try and put that right by you know pioneering some of these swims and then writing about them and that's essentially what i've tried to do during the period yeah mark has a fantastic blog just by the bio they'll be sure to be uh links in the no. It's called Reminiscences of a Long Distance Swimmer. So I, mm-hmm. I take Emma France, who runs the Dover Channel Training, always said to me, within 48 hours, the, the, uh, the raw emotion of the swim is still there. Just make sure you get it down on, on the blog or on the paper. So that's what I do. And, you know, I did that following Manhattan or Memphremay Gog last year, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And that's good advice, too. I've tried writing about something that... Well, I started within 48 hours, but then couldn't finish it. <laughs> if you don't finish it in that time, it just doesn't, you don't get it done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us about the swim you're most proud of. I suppose um, in some respects, I've, I've, I'm proud, proud of them all. I mean, in one, in, in one respect, as I say, Lake Geneva being the first, I like, I like the fact that um, it was a whole new world for most people. I mean, I did the earliest ever swim of Lake Apache in, in Arizona in mm-hmm. April 2016 when I was in training. You know, uh, I'm pretty proud of my British record on Lake Tahoe. I, I had a good swim there. Um, I mean, one of my favorite swims I'm proud of is pioneering, a, um, getting the pilot sorted myself and pioneering, pioneering a, a, my own swim from Lanzarote to Fuerteventura in the Canary Islands. That was just like a p- part of the Christmas holiday on the 27th of December uh, a few years ago. But I was there with some friends and said, hey, let's get, I've, I found the name of this pilot. Let's go and do this 15K swim across these straits. And, uh, and so in some respects, that, although that isn't the longest swim I've done, probably one of the swims I'm most proud of landing that swim on a windy kite surface beach in Fuerteventura. Yeah, that's... I'm quite proud of that one. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Do you have any memories from that swim that you want to tell us about? Well, it was just across a it's across a a, um, a place called the Bukain, the Bukaina Straits um, in the Canary Islands between Lanzarote and Fuerteventura, and it's literally just there's you know there's some wildlife there, and it's you know you have to land it on a on a kite surface beach, so it's you know the, the it's quite windy. Um, there's not many people who've, who've done it, although they run an official swim every year in October. That was just something that you 
you know, I just decided to do on the 27th of December. Water was about 21. Uh, that was, yeah, it was, it was just fun. It was a fun day out with my friend Lucinda Bayless and her husband, Mark. And we just did it. And I bribed my children to be on the boat feeding and they said they'd never do that again because they'd be quite <laughs> seasick. <laughs> oh, man. Is there anything you haven't finished? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Mark Spratt was there who's listening. I mean, in 20, so in 2015, I came out and did Scar. I was the first Brit to do the Scar, um, whole Scar thing. And that was a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, and I went back in 2017 because I enjoyed 2015 so much. So I, my kayaker, Pete Fellows, and I went back out. And that was the year that um, Apache it blew up big and we started the swim quite late. And so only two people were allowed to finish Apache that year. And I got caught in what they call Cape Horn, Arizona, going round, you know, um, towards the final third of of, of Scar. And I, I didn't. And I was kind of, I'd had seven or six or seven years of completing swims. And that was the first thing I didn't swim. And that was the f first time I'd seen sort of these vortices on the water coming down these, it was so windy coming down the, and I knew I wasn't going to finish coming down the canyons and I was laughing because I knew sooner or later I wasn't going to finish something. And it was no great shame because most of the field didn't finish and it was safe not to continue. And, you know, it was the right thing to do was to get out. Okay. So safety first. Yeah. So, yeah. so I got out, mm -hmm. got rescued. Born. Vortices on the water sounds quite. Um, I could have probably finished, but my kayaker couldn't finish, and I didn't fancy dying that day by a <laughs> boat collision. So, <laughs> Good choice. I, got, I just said, get out, you know. So, we got out. Yeah. Where's been your favorite place to swim? Uh, I mean, if I had, you know, if, if you gave me a choice tomorrow in the UK, it would be a place called Westwater, and I'll go there. I'm renting a house there at the end of um, August because I'm training for the channel again this year. Uh, in the US, I, I think Lake Tahoe is one of the most incredible places I've ever been to. So that would probably be number one. Although I, I can see I, I do love Aquatic Park and I had some, have some fond memories of just being with people like Amy taking me around. Amy Applehouse Goodser, Goodser mm -hmm. took me around there and I, I can feel the vibe of I'm sure there's a massive friendship vibe I'm very envious of, mm -hmm. uh, but Lake Tahoe would be, I just think that's a magical place. Yeah. Can you tell us about your swim in Tahoe when you were there? Tahoe, <laughs> Tahoe I gave a lot of respect to because the only other Brit I knew who'd done it, um, Kevin Murphy, who swam the channel a load of times, said to me, be very respectful of the altitude. And everyone had said to me, come early and be respectful. So I trained in this, I trained in this sort of chamber once a week for four months before the swim um, on a, cause I can't run and I can't cycle. I was on a rower uh, on a concept two rower. And it's, it was a room that was deprived of oxygen. I think, I think normal air is about 21% and this was down to 15 or 16. So there were a lot of people sort of training for Kilimanjaro and the Himalayas. And I was in there on this, I was the only swimmer in there on this thing. And I'm glad I did that cause I got to, I respected that and I got to Tahoe about five days early and I never felt sick. Although in the first couple of days I felt really lethargic. And so I pretty much just got in, uh, fed every hour on the hour and thumped it out uh, in about 12, 20 something, I think. Um, it was just a magical, 
place to swim whenever i felt thirsty i just opened my mouth and drank the water because <laughs> <laughs> i was told the water's so pure and it and it felt so pure so anyway um yeah that was that was a trip because um i'd already met amy in scar uh and her friend Gavin, and I'd also met Tom Linthicum, Reptile, who was the pilot. So it was, it was a real sort of coming together of some of the people who I'd met on Scar, like Dan Simonelli, who helped me on Catalina. And Scar was the stepping stone for me for like a whole family of, um, a whole new family of people, because I'd done a lot of the British long distance swimming series. I'd done mm. all of it, in fact. And I'd felt like I'd got like my UK family of swimmers, and it just opened up a whole US family of swimmers, which was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I just love those multi-day events because you just, yeah. you know, you can just kind of bond with people a little bit each day. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. Tell us about Lake Men from Agog. So, um, uh, Ked Nicholas, after Scar, said to me, because I run a couple of swims in the UK, and Kent said, if you want to see how a great swim is run, come and swim, swim the suck. So, when I went to, in 2016, after doing Geneva, I I went up to Tennessee and did that um, and I knew Paula and obviously Mark was, Mark Spratt was there and Kent came over and there's Paddy Herman, there's quite a few people there and just so happens that I was teamed up with Phil White, I'm sure that was intentional <laughs> and so Phil White was one of my, he, I actually got teamed up with two kayakers of which Phil was one and Phil's a great character and uh, <laughs> he told me all about it and I'd already been told all about it by Paula Jankowska who you had on the thing mm -hmm. and kind of for my because of my love of freshwater swimming and mountains I just thought this and remoteness I just thought this would be perfect so and although it had been swum um uh it, it, it'd never been swum by a Brit so I wanted to rectify that so I went up there last year and sorted that out and had a lovely day and I met um couple of u.s swimmers there was um jim loretto and um natalie rose who swam it on the same day we had perfect pretty much perfect conditions and phil was my uh, pilot uh and it was a really great to um to do that with him and you know put that in the record books as a and a, it was a good really proper solid day out i was really pleased that i was in good form i was really really you know when you're swimming well and I was really pleased the way I was swimming that day and I did that in about 1308 so I was pretty I was pretty pleased with that time when mm. I look at the history of maybe prey swimming mm. with that. depends what she throws at you I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had a good day tell us a, yeah tell us a little bit about you've alluded to form a few times what kind of technique how's your technique evolved over the years in swimming I'm just one of these people that uh I consider myself to be a real student of front crawl or freestyle. And I just love watching it done really well, whether it's Katie, Le like Katie Ledecky for me has got one of the most ultimate freestyle strokes. And I can watch that all day long. Sun Yang or some of these Olympians are just amazing. Um, and just love the fact that you never crack it. There's always something to work on. Um, and now and again, I think when you get to a level of fitness, you know in your own heart whether you're swimming well. And you know if it, there are sometimes you go to the pool and you can be feeling great, but the actual swim itself, you struggle through. Whereas now and again, you can, you know, you can be driving in the car onto the lake and you can feel rubbish. And then actually the swim itself is just effortless. And it's funny, you just, it just comes. And I think some of that comes with fitness. 
some of that comes with form, but um, some when that when those two align, you just know. I just think you know in your heart of hearts when you're swimming well, and it's, you can just get into that nirvana space, I suppose, that we all crave, and you just forget about the actual job in hand and think about I don't know either being somewhere else or I don't know doing up the house or pretend you know working out what you're going to do next or I don't know the next meal you're going to have. Do you know what I mean? You just and yeah. it's only ex post you realise you are in nirvana, but you've been in nirvana. <laughs> and that's kind of what I think I crave is that sort of that feeling of speed and effortlessness, but with that Nirvana. And sometimes you know, you're in that Nirvana and most of the time you don't know until afterwards. I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's it. No, I love, I love that you described that. I think you're the first person to, to express it that way too. And to talk about Nirvana. I love that we've, that we've now captured Nirvana and Marathon Swift stories. (laughs) (laughs) I like the baton too. So maybe that's part of it. Um, so do you think that uh, that's something you're able to achieve on your swims like that kind of that like versus like trying to really mentally get around the hard situations or the adapting or is it you're really just focusing on that stroke? How does that go for you? What yeah, what really a, rough? I think some of it comes with experience. I remember my first couple of swims. I probably was out of control. I didn't you know, I didn't know what I was doing in the front crawl and you panic. And I think maybe the longer you do it, you know your limits and you know to enjoy, try and enjoy it a bit more. And one thing I'm really conscious of is just not, is just try and be polite to the crew at all times and not losing it because it, otherwise it sort of escalates into this sort of really bad place. So what I, like when I was doing Tahoe, for example, with Amy, I was just loving every second of it, just thinking I might never go there again. I'm sorry, very often when I go to a place like Memphre or Tahoe, I just say to myself, look, you know, you probably won't come here again. So just enjoy every last second of it. Uh, same on Catalina I'm sure it's different when things kick off but when conditions kick off they kick off and you just have to get on with it but um, I think I just try and try my best not to definitely not lose it and be respectful the longer I do it and just try and have a giggle Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's you know and there's been so many times where you're in the middle of a swim like Tahoe or others where you just go I absolutely love this and Phil White will tell you you know there's a monastery about two thirds of the way up Memphre and I asked him to pronounce it and he just completely bastardized the French language with this. And I said to him, I, I remember saying to him something like, you should be a French teacher. And we've been swimming for 15 miles. <laughs> it's quite funny. Can't remember the name of the Abbey, but it's, he completely, slaughtered, he completely <laughs> slaughtered the pronunciation of it. I can tell you that. Much. And he's probably been past it 10,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't He's been up and down that lake quite a so, bit. So yeah, try and have a giggle at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. the way you kind of talk about it makes me think like it's funny to me when I can be so mad in my head, but the second that I see my crew, you're always just like you're like so happy to see them and talk to them. Like any anger, anything you're fighting with in your head is just like wiped away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how's the pandemic been for you? Well, touch wood. I mean, it's been. It's been, um, it's been fine generally. Uh, me and my, my wife both work full-time. We both continue to work full-time. I work for the financial industry and she, my wife's a teacher and we've kind of muddled on. I think everybody's had their ups and downs. Overall, uh, for a swimming perspective, I think it's been very useful. When I think about, you know, if the question is how have you adapted to the pandemic with your swimming, it's, you know, 
at the beginning of the pandemic, or when we came out of lockdown, you could only swim for an hour at a time in the lake and the pools have all been shut. But the one thing that's been really positive that's come out of it is, like, I live 50 miles from Dover, um, so I can get there within an hour. And I can take a big tow float, stick, you know, I don't know, a can of Coke in there or whatever, or 250 mil of Coke and swim 10K or 16K and, you know, put a Mars bar down my trunks and just get on with it. And I've got my phone and my kit and everything's safe. And I think the one thing this has really taught me is, you know, that whole self-sufficiency thing that I probably didn't have before. We're a bit spoiled in Dover where, you know, you've got Emma will run the training and people look after your car keys or kit. And the one thing that's really, I just observe on Facebook is that people are doing these swims and they're, you know, they're observing social distancing, they're hooking up with friends and adapting. And I think that's a really positive thing that's coming out of this. Being safer, you know, you know, traditionally you would not have seen tow floats in Dover Harbour. And I, I am for one that's completely changed my view on that. And I think in training, it's not going to do anyone any harm. And, you know, if you can feed yourself, and get on with it then it's been it's been great with that self-sufficiency thing but mm-hmm. i mean the pandemic isn't over yet by a long shot so who knows what's going to throw at us but kind of all yeah. just rooting for a vaccine really but desperate to get on with i mean i was supposed to be doing santa barbara this to complete the california triple crown i was keen to do santa cruz i think it was to the mainland and that all got postponed so mm-hmm. i can't wait for it personally can't wait for it to get over so we can crack on with you know, some more of these, thumping out some of these US swims. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think Sarah Thomas said it in her interview, like the water will always be there. So it just got to stay yeah. safe, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What motivates you to keep going when things are tough? I, I don't know. I mean, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, because I had that health scare in 2012. And I'm, you know, I pro- at that time it was there were part of it that was tough but part of it I was really thankful for because because of that scare and how serious it was um you know I thought my life was over and I, I even went around to see all my family and said it's over and I had to even sit my children down and that was one of the hardest things I think I've ever had to do and say look I might not come back from this and when I got the all clear two or three weeks later after the surgery um I felt like I had another chance at life that I, I probably had a new appreciation for life. A lot of other people who at the age at the time of 38, a typical 38 year old will not have that appreciation. So kind of don't regret going through the pandemic and not swimming as much as I'd liked. And I, because since 2012, I tried to do two to three big swims a year and just get on with it because just, you just never know when you're going to get that tap on the shoulder like I got. And so in some respects, that is what motivates me to keep going. I just pull out that file, try and remember what I went through, remember all the scary times and every, it just makes it, you know, whatever else you've got in front of you, it just makes it doable. Um, and so in some respect, it's that kind of mental edge. And when I saw, you know, you were saying about Sarah Thomas, when I heard that Sarah's talking about a four way channel now, I'm not comparing my situation with her by any stretch of the imagination at all. You know, what she went through is horrendous. But I, I remember saying to my wife at the time when I heard about what she was intending to do, I was like, well, she's definitely got a mental edge of some description. And I think that was probably quite a lot of it. Um, maybe even just that extra, doing the fourth and not the third, it gave her that extra 
uh, edge, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, you know, that's that's what happens, and and it's sad to say, but sometimes it does happen for a reason that people that then and but then they make the most out of what they've been given, uh, mm -hmm. and I think Sarah is the epitome of that. And there are others, you know, there are others. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a good one. <clears throat> um, uh, do you think of yourself as a process person or outcome person? I think I'm both. I mean, when this relates to swimming, I love the outcome. I like the process of meeting new people during the training, but I find some of the training pretty turgid, to be honest with you. And I like doing, that's why I like doing events. I'm like, if I'm training for a Tahoe, it'll be, let's do this lake, you know, rather than let's swim around the boys for six hours. So I'm probably both. And I think most people probably are too, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm both. <laughs> Some people seem a little more tied to the outcome or, I don't know. That's Maybe. I can see <laughs> Maybe. How do you think we can make a marathon something more in inclusive? I, I don't know. I mean, I've thought of... I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and one of the podcast, some of the podcasts I've listened to around the Barkley marathons. I don't know if you know that it's in Tennessee mm -hmm. and they do these five marathons over the course of a period of a few days. And if you li if it, there's a lot of parallels between long distance running and long distance swimming. And in some respect it is inclusive because you can just put a pair of trainers on and run and you can put a pair of trunks on and swim. But, it is, you know, so traveling around the world doing these swims is expensive. I mean, a channel swim is three thousand mm. pounds. Um, but, you know, what does that mean? You have to put away fifty, sixty pounds a week for a year to do that swim. I mean, it's doable, right? Uh, I think, you know, I think it, it is quite elitist. It is. Um, there's a lot of when when they ask Lazarus Lake, who runs the Barclays, what drives people to do the Barclay. He sort of said, "Well, there's people who've been very, very successful in their careers, um, and successful in you know they got that part of their life sorted, and they want they want that challenge. And I think the challenges are out there, at whatever level you know, whatever funding you have. I mean, if if you have a you know the beauty of British long distance swimming has been you know. I've swum on weekends with, you know, long distance lorry drivers or, you know, people who work in a supermarket, or whatever. It doesn't matter where you work. You're all in the, you've just all got love for the water. Um, so I, th I, th I think it does have some inclusion. We could all do better. And the one thing we did at the BLDSA was make sure that the membership for the juniors is incredibly cheap and stayed incredibly cheap. But the reality is a lot of kids who are teenagers don't, you know, it's not massive absent a wetsuit um maybe we're all getting too soft but yeah i i try and learn a little bit from the read across from other long distance events and it feels very similar to me uh, mm -hmm. generally mm -hmm. um one, caroline asked a really great question about you had mentioned earlier um that you weren't interested in the channel but now you've been there twice and it sounds like you're looking at going again so what yeah. keeps you going back to the channel I don't know. I mean, I live 50 miles away uh, and I'm, I'm glad I put my name down for it earlier in um, the year. My friend Kate does the bookings for Neil Streeter and I've done two crossings on Suva. Um, you know, it's not glamorous, really. It's tough, uh, but it's more of a, in some respects, I was doing it for a, 
you know, I couldn't just leave it at two. Um, I don't know if I could leave it at three, but you know, a hat trick sounds better than two and I couldn't just leave it at one cause I didn't want to be a one off. I don't know. It's just, there's something about it. It's not, you know, it, it wouldn't be my choice every day of the week, but I'm glad I've got it booked and it keeps, I don't know. It just keeps you, it, I'm in the fortunate position. I can get a text message from Neil at lunchtime and I can be swimming tonight and yeah. I can, I can make that. And not everyone can. Uh, so I have that. I don't have to be somewhere for two weeks to, to, I, you know, to wait for the weather gods. Right. Um, right. So I can, I can have a, I can have a day out and a night out maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, what advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer? I would definitely tell them to read your blog cause you have a lot of fantastic stuff out there, but any, any quips about aspiring marathon swimmers? <laughs> I've thought about this for quite a few years and, um, I have a couple of tips. The first thing I would do is book something big, book something that's really going to scare you because you're more likely to train and set up the best practice to get there. And that might mean failure. Like, you know, that might mean, Oh, you know, how am I going to learn from that failure? But what happens if you succeed? Um, and I've just observed it with certain people in this sport that, you know, they can swim 10 K they can show you they can swim 10 K and then the next year they book, I don't know, a 14 K swim. And you just like, surely you can do better than that. And I don't know. My tips are book something scary. The second tip would be train in the conditions you think or harder conditions than you think you're going to get. So when I was training for Loch Lomond, I went somewhere colder. You know, I see it a lot where people have got a cold swim or a choppy or a sea swim booked and they don't, even if it's less time, but they don't train in those conditions. Um, and the final um, thing I would do is 100% look after your crew. The one thing I cannot stand is people that don't look after their crew because again, it goes back to the point of, you know, want to make sure that the people, that crew is there for you, not the other way around. And so, you know, I think that is real key to look after their expenses, you know, look after their food. You know, I've been a crew, there's, you know, I've been a crew on certain things and, you know, I, I would, you know, that is one area that I think people need to do better at generally for the, when they're starting the sport is to think about how they're going to look after the crew rather than just themselves. Which is a hard pill to swallow because we're all spending so much just to do what we're doing, right? So That's right. I think it's, it's hard, That's but right. I mean, Evan Morrison talks about it, you know, it's a selfish sport. We're trying to, we're, you know, mm. and you're doing it as a team, but you know, I think mm. it's, it's good advice. Look after your crew. That's, yeah. What uh, marathon swimmer has inspired you? So when I, uh, probably my biggest hero or heroine is a lady who'd been in her wheelchair her whole life called Roz Hardyman. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she actually swam the channel a number of years ago. She failed the first time or didn't succeed the first time. And she got fished out after something like 20 hours. I mean, this, she's been in the uh, Paralympics. She'd been in a wheelchair. She had polio and she'd been in a wheelchair her whole life. Last year, uh, I think she's now roughly around 60 years old. Last year, she swam Loch Ness. Um, and so I remember on my first channel swim, whenever I sort of, my brain was telling me, uh, complaining about it. I just thought of Roz for a second and it vanquished any issues I had. And that's generally, 
you know, Roz is one of the most inspirational people to me, uh, generally. Um, she's been a great role model. And when I was president of British Long Distance Swimming, I had her as a speaker at my, at, at sort of my dinner. And yeah, so she, she would be number, she's been, in, I mean, she's uh, absolute standout inspiration. And I think to a lot of people, yeah. Um, there's been, there's been so many, I've been so lucky. There've been so many people on the way who, I just had the right people at the right time, whether it's my swim coach, Ray Gibbs, or like my friend Giovanna and her husband, Kelly, that got me out from a wetsuit into the open water or Nick Adams on a, one of those swim trek swim camps or Frieda Streeter on the beach in Dover or Kent uh, at Scar or Phil, you know, there's been so many people along the way who've, you know, I've just, it's almost like I've just met the right stepping stone before I fell into the water each time I tried to get over that river. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's, you know, there's other older people like Kevin Murphy and Barry Watson who were sort of, they were uh, rivals way back when. Um, they've been pretty inspirational. Um, there's people like Kate Robarts who's done the Triple Crown. She's, she's an old, she, she, she would, she's one of the older swimmers we have in the UK now, so she's inspired me. Uh, Ollie Wilkinson, who's the record, um, sort of Aussie record holder around um, Man, Manhattan. He's pretty inspirational in terms of if you're looking for a fast swimmer. Um, and then there's a friend of mine called Leanne Llewellyn Hickling, who's done a two-way uh, channel like quite a while ago. And she's one of only few people who have done four-way Windermere. So, and she's, she, she does some really pioneering swims around islands, around the British Isles and stuff. So, yeah, there's quite a few. There's quite a few. But I think, I think the best ones are people who run swims, mm. whether it's like a Kent or a, or a Dave Barra, Blondie, you know, Cara, uh, Nazo's great swimmer who runs swim mm -hmm. for some, I think, I think some of the most inspirational are the ones who are race directors because they mm -hmm. kind of get, they get the, they understand that whole sort of, the whole, the whole piece of that, not just, you know, just the swim itself, the whole safety and the whole, the whole uh, putting together of a swim mm -hmm. more. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I really appreciate hearing your story. Thank you for your time That's today, right. Mark. That's all right. <laughs> you were spending your afternoon with us. <laughs> yeah, sure. No problem at all. Are you ready to swim smarter? Check out my virtual Efficient Swimming Basics program at intrepidwater.com. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening.